How long, O God, will you forget me forever? How long will you be silent when I cry out to you? Will you not even consider me and hear my prayer? Are you going to allow my enemy to prevail over me? You've ever prayed a prayer like that? I stole that one from the Bible. (laughs) That's Psalm 13, and it's attributed to David. We don't know exactly when he prayed it, but it probably would have been during this period where we're going in the David story now, the period we know as the wilderness years. Wilderness is a very important part in the development of people in the scriptures. Moses gets prepared to lead in the wilderness. Jesus experiences the first part of his ministry in wilderness. And we could actually say his whole life on earth was wilderness. Incarnation makes him accessible to us, but I've often thought the greatest day for Jesus was not the cross or the resurrection, but was his ascension, because he was getting out of the wilderness (laughs) and going home. And we're going to see in David's life that the wilderness becomes very important in his development to be a man after God's own heart. And if we will press into the text a little bit and think about it in light of our own wildernesses, we will find that we can know God much more richly in the wilderness and know God's way than sometimes when he puts us in the palace. So let's go to the text and see some of the things that are valuable to us in this story of David. 1 Samuel 22, it's been read for you, and I'm only going to focus in on two verses. Uh, Verse 1 and 2, and make a reference to verse 3. Verse 1 starts this way. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. David escaped. This is David the fugitive. We all like David the king, and we like to think about God using us in the way that God used David. But David's now going to spend anywhere from 8 to 18 years in the Engedi wilderness being chased by a crazy leader. Uh, wilderness is not like a camping experience in America. Let me just tell you what wilderness is. is. There's hyenas, there's jackals, there's scorpions, there's lizards. Lizards are a small thing compared to all those things, but it's terrible. Uh, we lived in Mali, which is on the edge of the Sahara Desert. I can tell you what wilderness is like. Victor, have you been up north? No, you've only been in the south. You don't even know what wilderness is. Here the adopted African understands wilderness even more than you understand wilderness. But it's a tough spot. Wilderness is bad enough, but when you have to experience it for 8 to 18 years, and David's going to experience it twice. Now, as a shepherd, he understood it, but now he's experiencing it as a fugitive. And he's going to be chased. Now, I want you to bring it this way because wildernesses can come in different forms. Wildernesses can be actual physical places we can go to, or they can be experiential places. There's two sources of wilderness. Some are self-embraced wilderness. Through sin, bad choices, there's consequences that come our way. David has one of those wilderness experiences. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks, his experience with Bathsheba. He brought that on himself. Now, he's going to learn from it, but it's going to be a barren experience. He's going to lose his peace. 
He's going to question his own salvation. Psalm 51, do not take, uh, restore to me the joy of your salvation and do not take your spirit from me. It's a barren place and it's a wilderness place for him. But the harder ones are when they're inflicted outside of us, especially when we're doing the right things. Why is David chased by this adversary and have adversary, uh, adversarial uh, circumstances come to him? Because he's loyal to the king. Saul begins hearing all of these stories of David and he becomes jealous and he turns out to set all of his insecurity on David. And he chases him from place to place. Now, in some ways, David is a type of Christ because David has the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon him. He has a few moments of success, but he's chased out into the wilderness. He's going to learn his things. If you remember, when Jesus has the Spirit descend upon him, it says, and the Holy Spirit immediately drove him out into the desert. Okay, here's my first point tonight. If you are in a desert, and let me just tell you, you will be in a desert at some point in your life. If you're not in a desert now, you're out of the desert, and you're glad you're out of the desert, or there's a desert coming to you. I guarantee you that if you're going to walk in this world in all of its brokenness, and you're going to bear anything of the kingdom of God, there are going to be deserts that come your way. Now, I don't need to convince most of you of that. You've been in the middle of deserts. But here's what happens to us. When we're in a desert, there can be this reflex in us that says, maybe I'm outside of the will of God. If that was true, then Jesus was outside the will of God. In fact, it says that the Holy Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. It was actually in the wilderness that God was preparing to do the best work in David because there were things that David could never learn in the palace. And there's things that you and I can never learn in the palace when things are going good. When things are going good, there's not a big uh, desire in us to trust in God. But when things are dry and we're wondering how we're going to get through the next moment, it's in those moments that we cry out to God and we take hold of him and he becomes so real to us. There's a part of us that wants God to love us so much that he won't have us go through wildernesses, but the truth of the matter, he loves us so much that he drives us into the wilderness at times. Because God isn't so much primarily concerned about our comfort, he's concerned about our character. He wants your character to rise up, to be resemble the character of Jesus, and he knows that that can only come about in the desert, in the wilderness, in that space. Now, the truth of the matter is wildernesses are neutral. They can't guarantee that we're going to get on the other side and be grateful people. It's our attitude in the middle of the, of the wilderness that makes all the difference. So let's go on and see what David does in the wilderness. Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. Now that sounds inviting. Listen to that group. Everyone who was in distress, those are people that had a wilderness inflicted to them in some way. Everyone who was in debt, these are people that made their own wilderness by overspending or getting themselves in trouble financially. And then they're all bitter in soul. Uh, it's actually a Hebrew euphemism to talk about people who have lost everything. Uh, Eugene Peterson talks about uh, this group that become David's mighty band. He says, these were not the brightest and best of Israel. These were hooligans. These were troublemakers. Life wasn't going good for them. And so they gather with David. And what does David do? It says, he became commander over them. 
This tells me a lot about what we do with wilderness. When wilderness comes our way, we can either quit or decide that we're going to make a difference in the wilderness. So what happened to this band, this motley crew of people? God used them to change history. Not only natural history, but salvation history. They begin ushering in the things of God for this kingdom that's going to welcome the Messiah into the future. And how did they get there? They got there through the leadership of David. David's head does not drop, and he's not walking around going, come on, God, can't you do better than this? He's not questioning the fact that he's been anointed to be king. He chooses to lead right where he's at. John Maxwell has written this book, Lead uh, Where You Find Yourself, something to that title like that. I forget what the title is. It's a good book. But in the book, he talks about when he went around to conferences speaking on leadership, he would meet young people who wanted to be leaders, and he heard these two things from them all the time. The first one was this, someday when I have the position, I'm going to lead. And the second one was, someday when I have all the resources, then I'm going to accomplish God's vision for me. Do you know that most of what we see as the victory of God in the Bible wouldn't have happened if people waited for all the resources and the position to get there? David doesn't wait for the crown to come upon his head to lead. He leads from wait where he's at. And God uses him. Why? Because David viewed God as being in charge of everything of his life, including the wildernesses. Yes, there's wildernesses that are inflicted upon us because of sin, our own or other things that people do, but we can find God in the midst of that. God has the ability to redeem those spaces just as much as he has the ability to drive us by his spirit into wilderness places so that our character can be formed. But it all begins with our attitude. David says it in verse 3. I love these words. David went from there to Mizpah and Moab and said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. The reason David does not die or dry up in the wilderness for 18 years, folks, 18 years. I mean, it's one thing to suffer for a day or a week. 18 years is because he had absolute trust that his God saw and was in the middle of what he was going through. So let me ask you tonight, what is your wilderness? What's your wilderness? Where do you feel like a fugitive? Where do you feel like you are being chased down? There's the obvious places we can go to. The doctor's report, diagnosis is not good, relationship that's splintered and it feels like it's coming apart, a financial setback or loss of work, a failing body or mind or maybe a loved one's failing body or mind. All those places are places of wilderness. But how about the ones that aren't so obvious that are around us? Pastor David hit one last week. He called it the famine of relationship and friendship, loneliness. 
I want to remind you that loneliness and being alone aren't the same thing. Some of us tonight are squished together with people next to us and we still feel lonely. Where some of us can go for a walk and be completely alone and never feel lonely. But it can be a wilderness. Maybe like David being misunderstood. All David wanted to do was honor the king. David had no aspirations for himself. We're going to watch him over the next couple weeks. He has a potential to have revenge on Saul. Remember, Saul's the one when David played the harp in the palace, the demons would settle in Saul, and Saul would be at peace. But one day, Saul takes a spear and he fires it at David. David could have very easily taken that spear out of the wall and threw it right back at Saul, and the people in the palace would have cheered. Because Saul was a miserable leader. But David would never allow the misunderstanding of another person to drive him to revenge and the drying up of his own soul. Here's the good news. David's a good example for us. Can't really help us today. But you have a Savior who has experienced those very same things and scripture says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, knowing exactly the same things we're going through. Was there anybody who understood being misunderstood? That's a pretty interesting phrase. Was there anybody who understood being misunderstood more than Jesus? King of kings and Lord of lords, the religious leaders called him Beelzebub, a ruler of darkness. His family tried to pull him off the street because he was an embarrassment to them. His disciples tried to stop him on his mission. He has to look at one of them and say, Satan, get behind me. On the cross, they mock him by putting a sign up saying, King of the Jews, and they didn't even know they were actually prophesying about who he really was. Totally misunderstood. Lonely? The most important night of his life the people closest to him couldn't stay awake to pray with him for even an hour. He cries out, Lord, I would like this cup to be taken me, for in the end your will be done. On the cross, even the sense of his father's closeness feels distance because he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, in the wilderness, what will get you through is a spirit of praise of knowing that your Lord knows exactly what you're going through. And hear this one, folks. It may actually be his very will for you that you are in the wilderness. He loves you that much. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Engel once said, when God develops your inner person, he's never in a hurry. I want the wilderness to disappear really quickly. God will keep me there as long as I need to be so that I can become like Jesus. The hard part is 
you never really realize that unless you're a praising person in the middle of the wilderness. We tell the David story tonight and we say, look at how God was preparing David to be king. David had no idea of that. He did not know this was kingly preparation time. And in our wildernesses, we can't know that. I joked a little bit about being in Mali. Uh, it really was the wilderness. I'm in the process right now of cleaning out old files and getting rid of things as we downsize. And I found a sermon that I preached back in 1995 after being in Mali for three years. And the title of the sermon was Deserts. And I wasn't preaching about the physical desert that we lived in, the Sahara Desert. I was talking about the deserts of language learning and always feeling like an idiot when you spoke. I was, talking, I was feeling about the, the deserts of uh, sickness, of dysentery, malaria, and everything else that comes up with all the being in a new culture. Uh, the wilderness experiences of being in coups and riots at different times, of experiencing heat up to 130 degrees, power would go off at night. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Here's the funny thing. When I talk about Mali today, people think it's the most wonderful place and experience that I ever had. You know why? Because in Mali, God crushed me and gave me something better for the long run. What's your wilderness? No, tonight. Jesus knows. He's with you in it. So praise him. Amen.